Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Techspansive. I am Sean Dubrovac from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Reticle Research. A lot going on in the tech world this week as we uh, close out January. Some of the big news, of course, is that uh, a Reddit forum, Wall Street Bets, has caused GameStop, BlackBerry, and, and other uh, stocks that have been heavily shorted by Wall Street to surge. Uh, and it's been driven in part by retail traders taking advantage of platforms like Robinhood and, and Webull and uh, driving the stock higher. Uh, and, and, you know, what's interesting to me, Ross, when we look at this is, while it's often framed as an economic story or a finance story, a Wall Street story, it's, it's really, to me, a digital culture story because it all is rooted in uh, a Reddit forum, like, like many uh, what I'll call uh, mass uprisings uh, today are rooted in these digital platforms. So whether we're looking at the planning for a Capitol Hill attack or you know, an attack on a uh, he- heavily shorted stock like GameStop, it's all beginning in the underbelly of the internet. Yeah, there's um, kind of a disinformation angle to it, certainly in terms of this belief that GameStop, which has been uh, famously struggling for a long time as uh, video game sales have uh, gone digital uh, and been owned by the platform owners, uh, was poised for this uh, you know, huge rise in value. Uh, if you want a little bit more background on how this all spread, there's a, a very good article in, of all places, Esquire magazine uh, about the original uh, denizen of this group who bought all these options uh, to buy uh, GameStop uh, at, I think, uh, $8 a share starting maybe around the fall of last year. Uh, and uh, how he just kept pushing it and pushing it and how it gained momentum uh, and how he's made uh, hundreds of thousands or perhaps even uh, millions of dollars um, based off the um, uh, based off the growth in the stock. So so it's uh, the other angle, I think, is very interesting is this it's it's kind of this uh, wisdom of the crowds versus, you know, kind of the uh, elite of, of an establishment you know, we think of hedge funds as being on the leading edge of data science and using algorithms to optimize their investments. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of them, uh, this uh, uh, Melvin Investments, I think, uh, was, uh, was pushed to the brink of bankruptcy to the point where it had to be bailed out uh, because it had shorted GameStop and had just uh, taken, taken such a beating uh, as, uh, as, as the value grew. I think that is the f- the frame in which these forums try to position themselves. Mm. So whether it's the GameStop or, or someone else, they definitely want you to to believe or feel that it's uh, the the masses, the people versus you know some some elite group. And, and obviously, this this whole notion of um, retail, you know, Main Street versus Wall Street isn't mm. isn't new. And there was the large m- movement for a time, uh, Occupy Wall Street, uh, you know, many, many years ago. Um, 
but it, it's funny because I think if you if you look in the forum, and I've I've looked in Wall Street Bets forum on Reddit, and it definitely is the you know we're gonna win, we're gonna take down these elite traders um, when really those traders are providing a, a market function. Uh, you know, sh- shorting a stock is a way of incorporating information and, and expectations into, uh, you know, into a stock price and, and ultimately should force a company to make changes now. And, uh, you know, I saw, saw some of the comments of like, you know, we, we just believe that this company deserves another chance. And we believe that this company can, uh, can live to see another day. And so that's why we're doing this. Uh, you know, so I think you always see some of these motivations couched in more, I, I don't know, freedom oriented, uh, you know, and, and like little guy versus big guy narratives. Uh, when at the end of the day, it's, it's for most of these guys all about money, right? Yeah. Can it's we... all about the money. Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, looking at what, uh, if there was anything kind of unique about the state of the world that kind of allowed this to happen at this time, because Reddit's been around for a long time, Hedge funds and GameStop, you know, have have been around for a long time. Uh, it was I've I've seen it described as the the uh, the the huge growth in terms of people day trading uh, because uh, you know they've been laid off uh, because you know perhaps uh, you know likely in large part because of the pandemic. A lot of desperate folks out there, and you know desperation leads to vulnerability. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's what makes them susceptible. Uh, I, I have a hard time saying, you know, being manipulated. I guess they were manipulated uh, in terms of most of the profit accrued to the, these, these early guys in. But, you know, if, if you hopped aboard the train, you, you probably made some money as well. Uh, yeah, I don't think they feel manipulated. They feel like exactly. they got in on the ground level and, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what what happens? I saw that uh, GameStop is now a Fortune 500 company <laughs> because of the the rise in their market cap. So yeah. um, that's clearly not sustainable, right? Uh, and it's clearly so now, now's the time to short. Yes, now so, yeah, now's, now's the time, time to short. Short, right? Um, I mean, there's you know, it's clearly the greater fool theory in play is can you find somebody else to to pass the share off to? But I think it, especially as I look at the comments in the forum. You know, you see people. I saw one person post their uh, their paid student loan uh, wow. screenshot and you know, nice. with a thank you to the forum that they were able to pay off twenty five thousand dollars in student loans because of their their gains in stocks like GameStop. Mm. So you see this, um, you know, being being part of the uh, the group. And I think one of the great problems with investing is that these groups will see it as expertise and not you know, not luck. They'll see it as uh, as something that they accomplished through skill, as opposed to just being in the in the right place at the right time. And and GameStop stock will definitely come back to earth. It will come back down when all of this settles. But I do think it it has massive implications for how Wall Street manages the online world moving forward. How they uh, they're always looking for data and for inf- information. Uh, ideally in a quantitative form so that they can feed it into algorithms which are doing programmed trading. And so I think you're going to find companies now that are going to figure out how to 
take the information on forums like Reddit. There already are companies that will take information on Twitter, aggregate it and create sentiment indicators from it. And I think you're going to see new tools come out of this that can be built into, into algorithms and used for trading. Absolutely. I mean, it's a perfect application for semantic analysis. So, yeah. So more to come on on this front, it will definitely change the way uh, Wall Street operates. In other, I guess, related Wall Street news, we saw both Apple and Facebook announce earnings uh, yesterday. Apple reported Q1 revenue of $111.4 billion. That's up 21% over last year. International sales making up 64% of that, which I, I think is a very important number, actually. And uh, really, everything across the board was up. iPhones up 17%, iPads up 41%, Macs up 21%, services, no, uh, something we've talked a lot about on the podcast, up 24%. Wearables and, growing. Yeah, wearables yeah. were up 29%. So you had growth across the board, uh, f- really phenomenal growth. Now, some of this was because the iPhone was launched late, presumably because right. of uh, the pandemic's impact on the supply chain. And so you... Uh, so your year-over-year numbers should look better, but all, all in all, a very strong number. Uh, Apple also reported that their installed base is up one point to 1.65 billion devices, up from 1.5 billion a year ago. So the, everything is is definitely humming for Apple. I think uh, IDC said it was the highest number of smartphones shipped that they have ever recorded uh, in, in their history of tracking. So, um, and, and, you know, which is, which is funny because for much of 2020, there was a lot of talk about all of these home technology categories growing at the expense of mobile technology. We also saw Samsung announce earnings uh, with some softness in their, uh, mobile phone business, but uh, clearly Apple has uh, been able to buck the trend there. And probably the iPad numbers up 41% is a good indication of some of the benefit of the pandemic to, mm-hmm. to them. Uh, and it just shows that, you know, we do want our, these personal devices, wearables being up strongly, also probably a narrative around, I'm going to do fitness, I'm going to do sure. some other things if I'm not going to the gym. Uh, so, so strong report all the way around. And then on the other side of uh, Silicon Valley, we had Facebook reporting their Q4 revenue of $28.1 billion, up 33% year over year. And the, and the numbers that Facebook puts out are just astronomical. 3.3 billion people log into Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp every single month. Uh, you know, So we see really strong growth with, uh, with Facebook, not only in terms of revenue, but daily active users is up to uh, 1.84 billion. That's up 11% year over year. So really strong numbers there. Uh, probably what's most noteworthy in the Facebook call was that uh, Mark Zuckerberg took to the line and uh, immediately began to attack, really uh, almost immediately began to attack Apple over antitrust concerns. And, uh, and this all, of course, is rooted in Apple's desire to force app providers to start to disclose how they're tracking users, ultimately. 
Yeah, cl Clash of the Titans, uh, definitely. And, you know, we've been seeing this conflict uh, simmer um, and, and continue to heat up uh, over the, the past few months. There was a little skirmish about cloud gaming services that uh, Facebook was um, not pleased about, but <clears throat> had a, a little bit of um, company there with, with the likes of uh, Microsoft and, and, and Google. But, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of an emerging business for them. This really speaks to the heart of, uh, of their business and their concern that if they are forced to disclose when people download the app that uh, they're going to have to uh, agree to cross-site tracking with, uh, you know, it should be said, some explanation of what the benefit of, of that is to the user, uh, then uh, they, they fear that that's going to be a huge disincentive. One of, one of the elements of this that uh, I find uh, part of a, a fascinating trend is the contrast between Facebook and Google and how Google just seems to be able to uh, deal with these kinds of, of uh, disruptions uh, with, with far, less, um, far less impact, far less, uh, far, far less um, scrutiny, um, uh, far less drama, maybe, for, for lack of a better word. Uh, you know, because, of course, Google also has a vested interest in, in tracking you uh, across uh, the iPhone. You know, they're also an advertising-driven business focusing on the, uh, the personalization of advertising. And you haven't heard them say anything uh, about this. And, and the iPhone customer base is at least as important to Google uh, as, as it is to Facebook. And, um, you know, they are working on new alternatives to using the, the Apple ID. Uh, they've been engaged with the industry. They're working on uh, the, these new initiatives uh, that also take on the uh, deprecation of third-party cookies uh, that they have, uh, you know, pledged to, uh, to do next year. Um, and yet, you know, you, you don't see them talking about going to war. Uh, with, with Apple, um, they, they just seem to, to deal with it. <laughs> right. And, and in fact, on their ads and commerce blog yesterday, uh, there was a blog post about preparing our partners for Apple's iOS 14 policy updates. Yes. So getting our... what you, you, you should immediately panic and, and start screaming around the room. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they're much more focused on pre preparing developers to... Yeah, I mean, Facebook put out a post like that too, but but it's basically, uh, you know, the, the gist of their message is this, this is going to be terrible. You know, that this is going to really have a negative impact on on our advertisers. And we've spoken in the past about their small business kind of gambit, you know, to say, well, it's not about us. You know, it's about our advertisers. Um, so I don't know. You know, may, maybe it has more to do with more of Facebook's um, uh, architecture uh, being around these apps, right? Uh, there are three, three major top 10 apps of uh, Facebook itself, uh, WhatsApp and Instagram, uh, as opposed to Google, which operates kind of more on the open web, I guess, somehow. Um, but, uh, but, you know, for whatever reason, Facebook apparently seems to think it's more vulnerable. Um, so uh, this, this threat that it might take uh, Apple 
uh, to court um, uh, in an antitrust suit. Uh, certainly interesting. Facebook claiming that uh, Apple is a, a lead competitor uh, to Facebook in the messaging space with iMessage. You could argue that it is the, the, the most powerful or, or the most uh, entrenched uh, competitor, uh, although there are some others uh, that have been growing recently like, like Telegram, but, but certainly with WhatsApp uh, and Instagram, uh, Facebook has uh, you know, these huge, uh, huge properties with billions of users. And, um, and the claim that Apple uh, requires developers to adhere to a set of rules on the App Store that uh, it does not enforce for its own apps. And, and, you know, we've heard similar complaints from, from Spotify uh, and a number of other companies in this coalition for app fairness that Facebook, at least for now, has not uh, joined for whatever reason. And yet it does appear that Facebook is uh, potentially going to allow others to join a lawsuit if they do go mm. forward with a lawsuit against, uh, against Facebook. Uh, obviously, against Apple. I mean, against Apple. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's a... There's a significant cost to that. Uh, some estimates I've seen suggest Facebook could lose anywhere from five to ten percent of their revenue because of this mm. this change, though. So you're you're talking about tens of billions of dollars over time um, a, as a result of these changes. So it could have a, a real significant impact on revenue. And uh, so we'll see if if they do ultimately file a lawsuit. It will be interesting though, because as part of that lawsuit, if I were Apple, I would definitely require Facebook to reveal a lot of its cards. And Facebook mm. is going to be put in a position where they probably aren't going to want to reveal how, how they perform certain tasks, some of their business practices that they follow, and their own market share in a number of, of other mm. areas, which Apple will inevitably shine a light on. Uh, and, and of course, all of this is happening in the shadows of uh, of Washington D.C., which will more than likely pr- be pursuing at least antitrust investigations in the year ahead into some of the practices that are are pursued by some of the largest tech companies on the planet. Uh, in other kind of related Facebook news, we did see that the oversight board ruled on its first five cases. Uh, earlier today, on, on Thursday, we did see a tweet from the Oversight Board handle that said that they have received more than 150,000 cases uh, that are now being appealed to the board, and that uh, later this week they'll be announcing their next round of cases, including opening public comments on the case about former U.S. President Donald Trump, I can only imagine what the public comments will look like for that. I'm, I'm sure it will just be a sea of rationality uh, and, and well-reasoned argument. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the, first, uh, the first decisions to come down from Facebook's uh, so-called Supreme Court have uh, landed uh, on the, or you know, landed on the side of uh, of, of, of free expression uh, versus um, censure or, or banning for uh, pejorative uh, or you know, potentially dangerous speech. Uh, there was a quote from, I read from one of the board members who has some affiliation with, uh, with The Guardian, you know, the, the left-leaning uh, you know, British uh, uh, UK publication, 
saying, you know, that that's sort of their their starting point. Um, and so, you know, again, I, I think that uh, reflects some of the original positioning of um, of, uh, of Facebook, you know, where they were very reluctant to step in and intervene and only saw the application of things like warnings or bans as, uh, as an absolute last resort. Um, so, uh, you know, ultimately this, this oversight board is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a pass the buck mechanism for, for Facebook management. Hey, look, you know, we're allowing this on our platform. Don't blame us. You know, it's it's the board. It's this totally independent oversight board. Third that, party board. Totally. We're totally, you know, and we are bound by the bylaws that, oh, right, we created those bylaws that, you know, we're, we're bound to whatever, uh, you know, they decide. So, so I, I, I think that it, it takes some pressure off them uh, in, in the short term, I guess, uh, or at least the ability to, to point a finger. Um, but, uh, but the two things I would say is that uh, it, it ultimately, uh, you know, they're going to, uh, you know, as you say, Sean, have to answer to, uh, you know, regulatory um, concerns. Uh, most of those up till now have focused on, um, uh, have focused on um, monopolization of, of the online uh, ad space and, um, and, you know, chat uh, because of some of the calls to have them divest uh, WhatsApp and Instagram, which, which we just discussed. The um, and and you know certainly when um, uh, during the Trump administration there was a lot of uh, scrutiny around this idea that conservative voices were being uh, silenced and a lot of scrutiny on Section 230, which we've talked about on the podcast before. But now in the Biden administration, uh, there is uh, a lot of scrutiny on this idea of spread of disinformation, uh, which we also talked about uh, earlier. And we've seen firsthand um, how that can escalate into uh, anti-government actions. And regardless of where politics uh, wind up uh, falling in terms of uh, a second, uh, you know, the second Trump impeachment, um, the the Capitol raid uh, certainly has been etched, I think, in, into the consciousness uh, of uh, of the government, of law enforcement. And, and once you cross that line, you know, you're, you're inviting scrutiny uh, for the foreseeable future. I decided that I'm going to start an oversight board uh, for parenting. And that sounds uh, good. So yeah. I'm going to hire uh, people who will enforce rules that I would want <laughs> enforced. But uh, then when my kids complain about something that I have. Uh, Talk to the board. Yeah, I'll be like, it's the yeah. board's decision. I can't, I, yeah. I have mm -hmm. empathy for you, son. But I, I have, yes, you, you, I've read all the public comments on, on this punishment. And, uh, you know, alas, the board, the board has uh, let them stand. So I tried, I advocated for you in, <laughs> before the board, but the board ruled and we've got to, we've got to follow the board. So we go. must follow the board. Yes. Uh, with that, probably a good place to end this week's episode. If you'd because like the, to, the board says we have to end the, the episode now. We we really don't want to, but if you'd like to apply for my parenting oversight board, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubervac, and you can uh, find me uh, on Twitter at Ross Rubin. Thanks so much for joining. <laughs> <laughs>